0: Amen. You know, today we, we've gathered to celebrate the greatest event in human history. The greatest event. And we celebrate with Christians all over the world this fantastic day that God has given us. You know, for many families, Easter Sunday is, is more about eggs and, and bunnies. And, uh, you know, other folks mark it as the beginning of maybe the vacation season. Uh, But for believers in Jesus Christ, uh, it is a celebration of our glorious Lord and his resurrection. And the single event establishes the foundation of our faith. His resurrection establishes the foundation of our faith. You know, all of us need to be encouraged from time to time. And I read a newspaper uh, in the newspaper about a man who... uh, for his own amusement, he uh, <laughs> he wrote a note to 20 of his friends and all he wrote on the note was congratulations, congratulations and none of them had done anything in particular that was worthy of being congratulated, he just wanted to see their reaction and you know what, every one of them, all 20, returned a thank you note without questioning why the message had been sent i mean we all need encouragement we all need that you know the disciples of jesus christ they they certainly needed some encouragement after jesus was crucified I mean, you think about this, all their hopes, all their dreams uh, seem to have been crashing down with, with every strike of that hammer blow as they, as they nailed Jesus to the cross. They were probably thinking, man, we, we thought he was coming in to be coronated as king and now he's being crucified on the cross. But as the songwriter puts it, then came the morning then came the morning you see resurrection morning the realization came that Jesus was no longer dead folks this is amazing because he is risen just like he said He told them he was going to to die and be buried and then again in three days he would rise again and that's exactly what happened. And those disciples, they departed with great joy and that same encouragement can be ours today, this morning, as we consider what the resurrection of Christ means to us today. You see, Jesus' resurrection sets him apart from all who came before him. Because he lives, those who belong to him are promised life eternal in him. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ultimate life-changing truth. It is the ultimate life-changing truth. uh, truth and the way we respond to life-changing truth impacts the way that God works in our lives if you have your scripture and want to open up we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28 we're going to be um, I'm going to read this this chapter and it's a little bit lengthy there's 20 verses but we're going to cover those this morning and you know his resurrection is the source and the assurance of our hope this morning And our text records the events of Resurrection Sunday. And I'm going to read, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 28 of Matthew. And this is what the Gospel of Matthew says, the Word of God. It says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And they ran to report it to his disciples. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And when they came up and took hold of his feet, excuse me, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him, And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 11. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep and if this should come to the governor's ears we will win him over and keep you out of trouble and they took the money and did as they had been instructed and this story was widely spread among the jews And is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you that that you rose again. We thank you for your resurrection and that same power that that. That raised you from the grave will raise us on that day and father we we look forward with hope to that and father we're so thankful for our salvation truly Jesus is our Lord and Savior father I pray that this morning that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to see the truth of your word and who Jesus is, and Father, that we would be impacted by that for all eternity. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's two or three things I just want to show you this morning in this passage, and I'm just going to point them out as we go along. And, and um, just recognize that there's three different sections here of this chapter. The, the first one is, I want to entitle, The Women's Delight, okay? And, and uh, we see here in Matthew, uh, verses 1 through 10, uh, tells us that the women departed uh, after they had seen Jesus with fear and with great joy. And, and they went to report the news to the disciples. And, and we can just imagine the emotion Of Jesus' followers on this day. I mean, they'll go from an all time low depression to an all time high of exhilaration. And I just love the description that Matthew gives here of the women. They're meeting Jesus as they are going away from the tomb to go tell the disciples that he is risen. And, and I, I think that's, that's, that's huge because um, these women, they, they saw Jesus and they fell at his feet and they began worshiping him. And they, they, they grabbed hold of him and they didn't want to let him go. They didn't want to let him out of their grip now that they had him again. And, and I, I think that's big because these women, they just did not want to let go of Jesus. Jesus. They thought he was dead, all of their hopes were dashed and now here he is standing in front of them. Maybe they were coming to pray, maybe they were coming to meditate to the place where his body had been buried. Maybe they were coming to to check on things and and for whatever reason, we're told in in, in verse, um, I believe it's verse one there, it says, and the other Mary came to look at the grave. We do that sometimes when a loved one of ours passes away and they 're buried and they 're in the cemetery there uh, we, we go to the cemetery and we, we visit there. Um, they went to look at the grave and, and that 's what uh, he tells us here in mark and luke 's account that 's what it is. They came to look at the grave. These verses um, excuse me, they came to, to labor uh, in mark sixteen one and luke twenty four one um, they came to anoint the body. They came to bring uh, spices and anoint the body one last time, one last labor of love for Jesus. They wanted to serve him one last time. But in John's gospel, it says they came to linger. They came to, to just hang out there. As Verses, um, in John 20, verse 11 through 18, these verses tell us that Mary Magdalene lingered at the tomb. and And, and the others had already gone away but recognize that Mary Magdalene, um, she, she felt this great love for Jesus because Jesus had done so much for her. There had been a time in her life where she had been possessed by seven demons. That's what it says in Mark sixteen nine, 9. And, and her life had been radically changed by Jesus. And, and she loved him more than life itself. I mean, she had, Jesus had given her her life. She had, he had given her new life, and, and she loved him so much. According to Matthew 27, 61, she was one of the last ones at the cross. She was there at the cross. In Mark sixteen nine, she was the first to see him after he was resurrected. She loved him so much for what he had done for her. Can you imagine the women's delight that day as they saw Jesus? I mean, the one whom they loved, who they saw crucified, who they saw buried. Now he was alive. This second portion of this passage in 11 through 15 talks about the soldiers' denial, the guards. I mean, you think about this. Christianity has nothing to hide. It's an open book to be read by all. We're not, we're, we don't have a secret society. We don't, we don't have some secret handshake or this or that. It's right here for everyone to read, to know, to study, to be able to check it out for themselves. And just like the facts of the resurrection, we see the words of the lying authorities. And it's told quite simply. I mean, think about this. The soldiers, the soldiers were as prompt as the women, my question is this did the soldiers see Jesus alive did the soldiers see Jesus alive did they know he was alive there in verse uh, 11 it says some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened some of the guard we don't know where all of them went but we do know that some of them went and talked to the chief priests. And Matthew explains it for us. And he does a good job here. He, he explains the source of the lie about what happened to the body of Jesus. The lie about the, the disciples, you know, stealing the body of Jesus. And everything is reported in a very matter-of-fact style. I think it's interesting that these guards that they put at the tomb, they reported all that happened there. That's what scripture says. They reported all that happened there. And so the Jewish leaders were were given authentic testimony, I want to say by credible witnesses. They were eyewitnesses. And they chose who would be there. The, The Jewish leaders... They picked these guards. They handpicked them. They put, made sure they were Roman guards. They demanded the seal on the tomb. Uh, these witnesses that were on duty at the grave gave testimony to what they saw at the tomb. And they stated that the body of Jesus was supernaturally removed from the grave. Now we read that they, they were there and, and it was like they were dead men. The guard, Verse 4, the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. You know, when you get an eyewitness report like this, you're forced to decide either to accept it or to come up with some rationalizations and defenses for your lies. It was the religious leaders. They had the reality of the empty tomb and they knew something extraordinary had happened. But they had no body. They didn't know what happened to the body of Jesus. And if you can't produce the body, then your only alternative (laughs) is to pay off the soldiers with a large bribe. They paid them a large sum of money. It was substantial. But the fact is still clear. The body of Jesus was not stolen. It was raised to life. See, the Roman soldiers had to say, we were sleeping while on duty as guards at the tomb, and Jesus' disciples came during the night and stole the body. All I'm going to say is there must have been a substantial amount of money given to these soldiers to say that they were asleep while on duty. I mean, this is a serious military offense that would have brought down the heaviest Roman military penalty on them. If they were asleep, they could not have known it. And if one of them knew, he would have awakened the others. Either way, the soldiers would have committed a crime and it would have been severely disciplined. So the plan of the Jewish authorities was pretty pathetic. Um, I'll tell you what, let's bribe the guards. I mean, think about it. They didn't have a plan for this. You know, it's, their, their bumbling mistakes have cost them a whole lot more than 30 pieces of silver. I mean, how long do you think the guards would have kept quiet about what happened? Maybe till the money ran out. I mean, right? I mean, would you, if you were a Marine, would you have admitted to sleeping on duty? Oh, no way. There's no way anyone would do that. The chief priests were asking these seasoned Roman soldiers to sign their death warrant. By saying they were asleep on the job. No one would have believed that for a moment. And how would they respond to their superiors. (laughs) When they said his disciples came by night. And stole him away while we were asleep. My other question is this. How would they know that. If they were asleep. It's a fair question. But the crucial question would be, what were you doing while this happened? While they're moving the stone and while they're stealing the body, what were you doing while this happened? Well, we were asleep. Well, then how did you know it happened if you were asleep? Sleeping guards could not know what happened to the body. And the irony of it all, the original plan that was put into action was to prevent this very thing from happening. The religious leaders demanded that the guards be stationed at the tomb, and the soldiers certified that the body was in the tomb when it was enclosed by the stone, and Pilate's seal was pressed on the hot, with hot wax on the cord that, 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 that was wrapped around the stone. And now, there's no denying that the body was no longer there. They failed as guards. They could have been have told the uh, of the appearing of the angels and what had really taken place <laughs> but who would believe them if they started talking about angels You see the soldiers are told that they should lie and if it should come to Pilate's ears they would pay him off too That's what it says in verse 14 it says, and if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. You know, the historian Philo, he, he expressly states that Pilate was known for taking bribes. This was also true of Governor Felix. And the verb here that we have, and if this, this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over The word satisfy or win implies with money. In essence, they were saying, we will pay Pilate whatever is necessary. See, bribes were flowing in all directions. This was a corrupt government. And the guards took the money and they did as they were instructed. Now, we don't know if Pilate got his cut or not, but we do know that the guards took the money. And you see the... The irony here, too, is that the chief priest said Jesus was the deceiver, and yet they're paying the guards to lie about his resurrection, and they don't even really address what happened. Their only concern is to come up with a conceivable lie, but I want you to know something. Politicians have not changed much over these centuries, it reminds me about a busload of politicians who were driving down this country road when all of a sudden the bus ran off the road and it hit a tree in an old farmer's field. And the old farmer, after seeing what happened, he went over to investigate. And then he dug a hole and he, he buried the politicians. And a few days later, the local sheriff came out and he saw the, the crash bus. He asked the farmer, he said, uh, what happened? Were they all dead? And the old farmer replied, Well, some of them said they weren't, but you know how politicians lie. I mean, think about it. All the all the bribes, all the lying could not alter the facts that we have in Scripture. The same Jesus who had caused, they had caused to be put to death and sealed in the tomb was now a problem for them because he was a living reality. Praise God. You know what happened to the lie when the news spread to the people that had actually seen Jesus alive? I mean, all of a sudden that lie goes by the wayside. Neither the Jews nor anyone else could produce the body of Jesus. No body was ever produced by anyone. The tomb was empty. He rose again. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that sin has been punished. The payment for our redemption has been paid in full. The tomb is empty because Jesus rose triumphantly and Pilate was prepared for human schemes, but he was not prepared for God. But you see, some people just don't want to believe the truth. They may tell you, well, if God would just do a miracle, then they'd believe. Or, Or maybe they tell you that, you know, they've got some kind of intellectual problem that they can't figure out about all of this. And and it's also very possible that they don't believe just because they don't want to believe. But you see, this same group that we're talking about here was around when Jesus called Lazarus forth from the tomb. But instead of believing... They just wanted to get rid of the evidence. They set about to get rid of Lazarus and to get rid of Jesus. In the book of John, that is the turning point with the religious leaders in that day. When he raised Lazarus from the tomb, they said, we cannot have this guy walking the streets in Jerusalem. We've we've got to get rid of him. We've got to do something about him because he threatens our power And so that's set forth the plan to crucify Jesus. But you know, people have all kinds of excuses, all kinds of reasons for not believing in Jesus Christ. And here's what I wanna challenge you with. Pray for softened hearts. Pray that the hardness of their heart would be softened. It's important to have good answers to people's questions. And it's important to display the power of God in your life. But it's also important that they have a heart that's ready to believe. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is to stay faithful in praying for those who do not know Jesus Christ. And lastly, I want to talk about the disciples' doubt. In verse 16 and following, see the disciples, when they see him, they worship him. But scripture says there was some of them that were doubtful. If Jesus had been raised from the dead, why has the resurrection of all not taken place is probably one of the things they were thinking about. They thought from everything they had heard and read and been taught that the resurrection and the judgment were the last events in history, followed by the establishment of the eternal kingdom, and they were right. The old creation, though, has to limp along a little longer but the disciples and us, we must believe that the new creation is already here. The old is gone, the new has come. Even as our outward man, which still partakes in this old world, is, is passing away, we understand that the inner man is being renewed day by day. That our strength is being renewed in the power of this new creation, in the power of the resurrected Christ. And one day... Though our outward man has gone down to dust, still we shall be raised as Christ was raised in his glory. He's just the first fruits of this new harvest. We we, we notice Jesus' assurance here as well. Jesus overcomes their doubt by preaching the gospel to them. I mean, he assures them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. See, this resurrection power in which he was raised is the basis of their existence and ours until the end of the age. Theologian uh, Timothy George, he says the message of Easter is that God left heaven to enter fully into this life into a world that was wicked and evil. Folks, this is the real world where people are murdered in our cities every week, where innocent children are subjected to perverted ideologies and worse, even gunned down while attending school, where people lose their jobs, where people lose their families and their health, This is the real world where darkness reigns and evil sometimes seems to have the last word. But know this, that the one true God, he did not turn away from this real world, but he came into the very thick of it, hugging unwanted children, forgiving prostitutes, Casting out demons and building relationships with sinners. He dined with tax collectors. He healed lepers. He got his hands dirty in acts of mercy and blessing. And a love so real, so deep. That it couldn't be crushed even by death itself. Hallelujah. And the authorities made up a lie. To cover up the truth. They devised a scheme to avoid having to face the facts. And they willingly chose darkness over his light. But folks, that's what people do every day. They choose darkness over light. They hear the claims of the gospel. And they turn a deaf ear to it. They they try to justify their rejection and they they're saying no to the only one who can give them life. They're refusing Jesus, the way, the truth and the life and believing the lie of Satan. What a foolish plan. I mean the reality is we're all going to die. It's a fact. You will die. And in a sense, you may be dead already. The Bible says that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're already dead in your sins. And you are only really alive when you've experienced God's forgiveness. See, Easter is meant to be experienced personally. We must all respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can deny it. We can shut it out. We can doubt it. Or we can accept it with childlike faith. See, God desires to work in and through our lives. But we have to believe that he is who he says he is. I mean, respond to Jesus today and let God's truth work In your life. I'm going to wrap this up. And as I do. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. But I want you to understand something. This passage. Starts with life. It starts with life. And it winds up. As it tells a lie. And so I ask you this question. Which has influenced you more? The life Or the lie. See, I praise Jesus for the life. It's changed my life forever. And the events of that day will forever reverberate throughout eternity of what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. See, we have a song that the angels cannot sing. They are created beings that are fully obedient to God. They've never sinned. They've always been obedient to God. They've never been redeemed. They've never experienced amazing grace like we have. That's gonna be a song that we sing in heaven and they're just gonna have to sit and listen. When we talk about how Jesus has redeemed us and that we know that our redeemer lives because he saved us, he gave us the freedom. He's done all of this for us. Those who come to Jesus by faith will be saved and become partakers of the life of God in Christ. Those who believe the lie, those who believe the lie are already condemned. They need Jesus and they need the life. Let me remind you, that this was the first resurrection day. (laughs) But it won't be the last. Because Jesus lives, those who place their their faith in him will live too. And those graves, those in those graves, one day, on that day, will come forth. (laughs) Woo! Woo! According to 1 Thessalonians 4, and those who are alive when he comes will never taste death because when he died, he tasted death for us. Thank God for that day when death lost its battle with life forever. Thank God for that first resurrection day. And if you know him, on that day, when, that, when he calls us forth, we will come out of that grave. What a blessing. I am so thankful for Jesus and what he has done. I'm so thankful for Easter. And if you're a believer in Christ, you have the same hope and the same joy. And we can go forth telling others about who Jesus is with great joy. Because he lives. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, in the moments that follow, we, we will have a, a response time to the truth that we've heard.